We kick things off from Sigweni by uh, taking a look at the latest out in the markets. Joined on the line by Snesipo Maninjwa, independent market commentator, analyst and CA. For our wrap of the latest stories out in the markets, Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. Evening, Aya. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Can't complain. And uh, how are markets opening today? We also did see, of course, by way of uh, market news uh, in the listed space, uh, uh, Alexander Forbes uh, coming in. Of course, they rebranded in March for, uh, to call themselves Alex Forbes. And uh, we do understand, of course, over a third of the equity they own by African Rainbow Capital, uh, which is linked to Patrice Mutsepe. And they also have had their own strategic refresh in the last while. Has that paid off? I've seen that she had some multiple time uh, for Alex Forbes because I think we I think we need to just take it back to a few years ago when um, the former CEO uh, was pushed out, basically pushed out by the board, and the strategic repositioning and refocus that they've done in the past, I would say two to three years, and I think that's that's a very clear period. Specifically, it has it has to do with the fact that they disposed. Uh, their insurance offering and have sort of realigned to focus on three pillars of their business, which is primarily the investment consulting space, which uh, their two main source types of clients being your employers, uh, as well as individuals, and also focus uh, on their investment business, which is the uh, multi-manager solutions. Mm -hmm. And in, and also what they've also said that is primarily Alex Forbes um, used to be more of a B2B player, I mean business-to-business player. Sure. But in recent time, and I think part of the changing the strategy is to focus more on a retail offering and they're looking to grow that quite aggressively. Now, now I guess, I mean, th- these are a large pension fund administrator. Uh, and they also administer a lot of these employee-driven type of non-wage benefits that workers would get. Um, they surely would have, I guess, taken a significant knock during COVID-19 as um, headcounts were reduced and payroll benefits also slashed accordingly. Yes, they did. They did, they did quite a hit because ultimately for them, I think that's part of the reason why they've grown to, to, to try to refocus more to a retail offering because ultimately once your employee numbers go down, you can't replace those assets. You can't replace that um, that AUM, that constant revenue, because if you're administering, you're getting paid uh, with bodies with bodies on the floor, basically. So you have to constantly ensure that employee numbers are going up for your business to grow, and it, it, it puts them susceptible to economic headwinds and the headwind of COVID and the um, the, the, the multiple retrenchments. I think uh, I think that's to say at some point. Um, talks about over 2 million jobs have been lost um, during the period. Mm. But it, 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 is, it, is, it does present that specific challenge as well. But I think that they've um, um, done well, specifically with this new energy. And sometimes you actually just need that level of new energy. And it, it, it also shows that um, uh, what people seem to forget when you're looking to restructure or um, do a change of strategy, it, it takes years for the impact to be seen. And mm. a lot of these decisions um, from a strategic perspective were actually made in 2019, pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I mean, I guess we also know they sold their life business to Sanlam, uh, which in a way, I guess, is 
can be seen as a company linked to them in some degree. I mean, their CEO was there. One of their biggest shareholders is also a shareholder on the other side. Just the prospect for this particular business, uh, they say they're going to invest a lot more, as you said, in the B2C, so business-to-consumer channel, uh, via individual consulting and um, also using the relations they have with employers. Talk to me about how important that's going to be in this uh, moment, um, uh, where I think a lot of people aren't really seeing a massive rise in non-wage payroll benefits. Yes, and so remember, a lot of... um when you look at what they do is that they basically do advisory work for on an, on an individual and they sell those solutions to corporate mm. um, to, for, to manage their employees. So ultimately, with um, when you're looking to structure your products, um, your, um, your investment, or should I say your financial solution, you look at sort of your, um, your, 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 your profile of the person. And it is worth mentioning the importance of of, of seeing a consultant specifically for your financial financial planning and looking at yourself as a holistic. So it's not just um, your investment, it's also your insurance leg as well, which they've outsourced, but you can still get the recommendation business from it mm-hmm. as well without having to hold, necessarily hold um, the capital that's required. It's also um, optimizing your, their balance sheet. So, yeah, so it's 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 a it's quite it's quite quite and 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 because I think that I'm I'm seeing on my Twitter where people are talking about how do you plan in this high inflation, low low wage growth economy? Mm. How do you plan? And there's there's a lot of um, insights you can get from. Uh, firms that do this, and specifically Addict Forbes being one of them, and it's 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 specific. And like I said, financial advice is personal. Ish. Now, Stacey, I mean, let's leave that financial services space just for a second and, um, you know, uh, take a look at uh, the latest coming out of Tongart, the takeover regulation panel. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, concluding their investigations here and finding that there's some related party acquisition of shares here, which is aimed at really decking the cards in favor of the Magister Investments Group, which is linked to the Rudland family, which is linked to Goldleaf Tobacco, which is linked, I guess, to uh, much of the... um, you know, um, cigarette trade that um, has also curtailed a lot of controversy. Uh, and I spoke about some of the brands earlier on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, what do you make of this one? Uh, and I guess uh, Zimbabwean tobacco linking up uh, with um, Natal sugar and property interests, it seems. Yes. So um, like I, I did a thread on this on my Twitter. So, but ultimately, the point of contention is that Tonga desperately needs to raise capital. It has paid down in the past two years over 8 billion rand of debt, and there's about just over, um, um, I'm the ally, sorry, 6 billion rand that was of debt, there's just over 8 billion left, and they're having to look at ways to pay back the banks. So I think we can always talk back with 2019, um, 2019, accounting standards, accounting scandal, people overestimated revenue, overestimated assets, uh, which inflated the valuation of the company. And as such, and as such, once that scandal came out, share price collapsed, 
ultimately the share price was already on a decline curve for the past 10 years, but people don't focus on that part. There's also the misappropriation. Um, so ultimately, um, new management stepped in. They are taking legal action, both civilly and criminally, against the former management team who were part of this accounting slash fraud scandal. Fraud scandal. Now, the problem with that is that the reason why that's the premise is that they are in a position where they need to pay back the banks because the banks don't care if you lied or not. They just want their money back. Mm. Literally as simple as that. They just want their money back. And ultimately, um, ultimately, they got approached by, they got approached by uh, the investment arm of the brother of the Redland family. Because it's a sibling business. Everyone keeps it in the family. Yeah, I saw even the daughters, it seems, are also ultimate beneficiaries. Yes, they are. Yeah, uh, yes, they are. (laughs) The Mauritian-based investment company. So they announced that they were looking to do a rights offer in November. They posted the circular, and this is where I love people. Sometimes when you're being shady, you need to be shady and no South Africans. They posted the circular on the 15th of December. And they had the the shareholder vote on the 18th of January. Now, the key part of the transaction requirement was that Magister, let me just say the word, Magister was to underwrite the rights offer, meaning that if shareholders elected not to, existing shareholders of Tonga elected not to support the transaction, uh, Magister would just buy up up until a specific quantum had been raised. Now, they obviously, there's been a dissent amongst shareholders. There's a dissent among uh, shareholders, specifically minority shareholders. Um, and they feel that, number one, the rights offer is highly, highly discounted. It's going to be quite dilutive. Depending on which sums you're working at, it could be dilutive to 10 times. So mm. effectively, if you owned 10% shares, you're going to be reduced to 1%. And at a lower price, at a lower price, that was not that is not something that they're comfortable with. You know, they're comfortable with, and they thought they were going to lose a lot of value. And they also thought that number two, the entity that's going to become the controlling shareholder is not an entity that they are particularly afraid with. Uh, depending on who you speak to, please note the Wright family has not been charged with anything illegal. You go, oh, these have never they are not they have not been charged with breaking any laws. However, the entity is known for known for um, participating in specific illicit trade within tobacco. They're known for it, but ultimately never been charged. Very critical words, so I don't get sued. Um, so they then um, so the dissenting shareholders tried to stop the transaction when they had the shareholder vote on 18th of January, and unfortunately, they were unsuccessful. But because when people have money, and, and if you become petty and you have money, they then were like, hi, ball, this thing looks fishy. They went through the shareholder register, and they found a linked entity had been buying, um, had bought just over 2% share, shareholder issue share capital oh. of Tonga since the deal was announced. And that is specifically disallowed uh, in terms of the takeover regulations. So, so maybe it's just a quick one. Yeah, what is the implication of so the, of this rights issue not going through? Oh, quite simple. Um, they, um, Tonga has a has a has a deadline 
had a deadline initially of 31st of March to pay back about $2 billion. That deadline's been moved to 30th of June, so they've got about just over three weeks to come up with $2 billion, either get the banks to um, give them another extension, mm. or ultimately they've got five days to um, they've got five days to appeal the decision. I don't think it's going to be viable for them to appeal the decision um, because ultimately, ultimately, yeah, they got caught and they used it's a very, it's a very, 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 very a very nice technicality that the minority shareholders managed to um, manage to do. But one of the big things that they have to consider is asset sales. Uh, I'm not sure if people understand. Tongod is one of the largest landowners in KZN. Indeed. And, and is they own the land where Zimbabwe is, right? They own quite a bit. They mm. own quite a bit. Like, so there's a whole area that they, that they own from a land ownership. And they're also one of the larger, largest employers in KZN. Mm. They're the largest employer in Zim and Mozambique, specifically from an agricultural perspective. So they're... they're they, it, it, it's quite significant, and some hard decisions might need to be taken. Sure, sure. And you, I understand where the shareholders, minority shareholders, are coming from. I do. I, I ultimately understand where they're coming from. Yeah, a lot of smoke and daggers on this one. But, uh, I mean, you mentioned Zimbabwe there, which is one of the places where these guys operate. And let's maybe, uh, I guess, go to Zimbabwe. It seems some very interesting dynamics out in the grain market. And uh, many people... Finding it difficult um, to find maize meal or to find any feed for their livestock uh, in the shelves because it seems some of the maize is not getting to the millers. Um, and uh, also, whatever maize is being sold to the grain marketing board is sold on a very interesting formula. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Yes, it's also because of the hyperinflation and also um, in dollars and 30% in US dollars. That's sort of like to make sure that economically... Um, the producers are well compensated. Mm. However, however, there's been a bit of a challenge, and that's what possibly happens when you have a bit of a monopolistic control over a basic food item. Basic food item. And then you also add the other factors of, uh, of the hyperinflation, the fact that Food literally is doubling every day. The price of goods is doubling almost every day. Yeah, it's quite challenged. And if you factor in also, because we're in agriculture, we always have to factor in the years that it doesn't rain. And that significantly impacts um, your production because ultimately they require about 2.2 million tons of corn. Mm. And right now, they only have about 1.56 million, which gives you about a deficit of about just over 700,000. And that is a big, 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 big issue. So they do have some strategic reserves. And there's also talks of um, importing from um, Malawi. But ultimately, uh, it, it, yeah, it, 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 it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Um, yeah, it, and I mean, I guess th- there's a lot mixed up in here, Snesipo. I mean, the reason yes. why they probably didn't hit the targets in Zimbabwe, for all its challenges, is a relatively food secure country, right? The reason yeah. why they were unable to hit those targets is because of the stop start cycle of the rains. And I guess the difficulty, you know, because you don't have a lot of like these large commercial players, capital intensive production who can switch it on and off. 
Um, and a lot of this is still family labor in some cases and, of course, uh, uh, subsistence and small-scale production. Even some of that is sold uh, to the maize board. But, I mean, this idea of the, the currency implications, I guess, of this crisis, because many farmers, it seems, are refusing to sell to the government. And the government has even put in a, a regulation saying, look, you, you can only transport two bags of 50 kg maize because if uh, we, we find that you're transporting more of that, uh, then uh, you might find yourself in some trouble. Yes, that's the problem. Like that's why I said, the farming observer and monopolistic control. These are some of these things because monopolistic control in um, basic food items when you're not efficient and the value creation element and that's and that's seventy thirty value creation element. So even though you are getting hard currency in the form of US dollars, your Zim dollars are losing value. Every single day. And so of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other issue for the farmer. The infrastructure yeah. is just not there. It's, it's just not there. And if it's not there, you, you, this is where you are. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like a self inflicted problem. And I think, I think people don't think of some of these decisions that are made. And yeah, it's just yeah. Like, like a But I think, so, I mean, there are other parts to the challenge, right? It's not only. The yeah. price control and marketing board system. I mean, I think the president came out uh, over the last day or so saying, look, they're going to increase these administered prices they pay for, you know, maize sold to the government. Um, so I think there is that recognition that they've kind of messed that part up. But the other issue is for producers at Farmgate. I mean, yeah, have you spoken to a farmer lately? You try getting fertilizer. Uh, and uh, what's happening in and that then again, fertilizer... Is underlying price of fuel. You see where that going? Like, it's, it's like I said, it's a perfect store. Mm, sure, sure. Snizzable. Let's leave it there. We'll have to leave it there for tonight. As always, a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, thank you very much for your time. That there was Nesipaman Ninjwa, independent market commentator, analyst, and CA, joining us for our wrap of the top business stories.